So the presence of God brings an atmosphere of worship. Um, you know, you hear people ask, what's the difference between praise and worship, right? So we know that everything that has breath should do what? So if you're breathing, then it's your responsibility to do what? Can trees praise the Lord? They breathe, don't they? They're alive, right? If flowers, they praise the Lord, they're breathing, right? The insects and the animals do what? They praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. Can, can sinners praise the Lord? They're breathing, right? Can people who don't believe in, in Jesus praise the Lord? They praise God, Jehovah? Mm -hmm. The word says everything, everything has the ability to praise the Lord, right? Amen. So when we see people say, oh, thank God. And we say, you ain't saved. Yeah, they can praise the Lord, right? You ain't living right. God bless me with this. I, I won, the, uh, what is it called? The, I don't know, the lotto pick, whatever it's called. Lotto Wednesday, whatever it is. <laughs> I won $200. Praise God. Mm -hmm. playing, the, playing the lottery. But they're praising the Lord. Amen. Amen. Everything that has breath should praise the Lord. But um, we know in the scripture, God in the Old Testament, God set certain um, parameters around those who came before him in the Holy of Holies to worship, right? So at that time, everybody didn't come into intimate worship with the Lord. He set aside a certain group of people called the priests and the Levites who are allowed to come in to the most, they call it the most holy place to worship the Lord. So um, in compare, comparison, now these days our sanctuaries are a little different. Um, if you grew up in church and you went to an old timey church, um, they have, well, some Catholic churches still have an outer court where they even have like a little baptismal area in the outer court. And then you come into the sanctuary and then there's a place where Nobody goes but the priests and the nuns, okay? That's the holy of holy place, okay? But even in our Protestant churches, we have, we have the foyer, we have our sanctuary. And when I was a child, you did not touch the altar area. You didn't, you didn't go up in, you didn't play up here. <laughs> of course we did. We weren't supposed to play up here. And you didn't stand behind the pulpit because that was the holy place, right? Now we're a little bit more free. Because we realize that Jesus broke the veil when he died, allowing us to come before him boldly to the throne of grace. His grace is his unmerited favor that meets us so that we do not receive in our bodies the penalty of sin and death that we deserve. That's his grace, his mercy covers us by the blood that he shed on the cross, right? That's why we talk about the power of the blood of Jesus, because in the Old Testament, there was no forgiveness of sin without the sacrifice of, a, of an animal. There had to be a blood sacrifice for sin to be forgiven. But Jesus, that's why we call Jesus the Lamb of God, because he sacrificed himself to cover our sins so that we do not have to suffer the penalty of death. All right? Amen. All right. So 
Now, what is our um, worship to God? If we don't sacrifice animals, right, and we're allowed to come boldly before the throne of grace, what is our worship? Okay, so we see the answer to that in Hebrews. And it says Hebrews 13, 15, because of Jesus, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's Hebrews 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 5. So all we have to do because of what Jesus did is lift up our voices and a sacrifice of praise to God. That means when we do not feel like it, we offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That means when our money is funny, we offer up a sacrifice of praise. That means when people get on your last nerve, you offer up a sacrifice to God. That means when you are angry at your children and your spouse, you offer a sacrifice to God. That means when you can't find a job or you don't like the job you have, you offer a sacrifice of praise. That means when you don't know what to do next, you offer a sacrifice of praise because in your body and in your natural mind, you do not feel like praising God. And do you think there was ever any animal that felt like giving up his life? I dare not. I think word got around in the sheep pen and said, if they come your way, run the other way. <laughs> it might be your day. <laughs> I don't think they wanted to give up their lives, just like we don't want to give up a praise. But we nail ourselves to the cross. We are crucified with Christ. So we die, but we live in him. Amen? That's what it means to worship the Lord. Now, of course, I had to look up some definitions of worship. So one uh, definition was to regard with great extravagant respect, to honor, to show devotion to, to perform or take part in worship or an act of worship. Now, when I was in school, I learned that you don't use a word to define a word. So you say, what is worship? It means to worship, which is what this did. So I was like, well, let's, let's keep moving. So I found a different definition. So another definition of worship, it's a verb. It's an action word. It's an action word. If, you, if it's an action word, then what, what does that mean? You have to do what? You have to do something, right? You have to do something to worship the Lord. So it's to show reverence and adoration for a deity or our God, Jehovah to honor with religious rites. So there are some traditions that go along in worship, okay? So it's okay if you have a tradition of worship. Um, some synonyms are to revere, to reverence, to pay homage to, to honor, to adore, to praise, to pray to, to be devoted to, to dote on, to love, to hold dear, to cherish, to treasure, to admire, to esteem, to esteem God. How do you esteem God? You got to use your words, right? You got to speak well of him to esteem God, um, to hold in awe, to look up to, to be wild about, and to put on a pedestal. 
Okay, that's our God. That's, that's the place that God should have in our lives. All of those are representations of worship. Amen? All right, a person who is strong in worship worships God with all of their energy and all of their strength, holding back nothing. They worship with abandonment and passion, loving God with the deepest affection, and they don't care about what others think about their worship. They worship based on their relationship with God and who he is, not only because they have been commanded to, okay? Because we know God doesn't want us just to come in and bow and stuff because it's our duty. He wants us to be in that relationship with him, right? Just, just like a person doesn't want you to come and just obey them because you have to. They want you to come because you enjoy them and then you enjoy doing things with them and you, you want to have a mutual relationship with them. Amen? Amen. So we're going to talk about some of the powerful effects that worship have, okay? So let's turn to Second Chronicles chapter 5 talking about King Solomon after he finished building the temple. Verse 1. When all the work Solomon had done for the temple of the Lord was finished, he brought in the things his father David had dedicated, the silver and gold and all the furnishings, and he placed them in the treasuries of God's temple. Then Solomon summoned to Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring up the ark of the Lord's covenant from Zion, the city of David. And all the Israelites came together to the king at the time of the festival in the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the Levites took up the ark and they brought up the ark and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The, the Levitical priest carried them up. And King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about them were before the ark, sacrificing, sacrificing, sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the ark of the Lord's covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the ark and covered the ark in its carrying poles. Keep in mind the carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends extending from the ark could be seen from in front of the inner sanctuary, but not from outside the holy place. And they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. The priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there had consecrated themselves. That means they set themselves apart and did what they were commanded to do as priests. They had to wash in a certain way. They had to wear certain clothing. They couldn't eat certain things. They had consecrated themselves. All the Levites who were musicians, and it names all of them, stood on the east side of the altar dressed in fine linen. Okay, so they didn't wear just anything. They were dressed in fine linen. They played their instruments. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison to give praise and thanks to the Lord. They were accompanied by the trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. The singers raised their voices in praise to the Lord and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud 
and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So all of these people had done what they were supposed to do in preparation for bringing the presence of God into the temple. So Solomon was the son of David, right? Everybody remember David, the shepherd boy who, who slew the giant, right? And became king. And so David had it in his heart. He said, God, you've done so much for me. I want to make a church or a temple for you. Because before that time, they carried their church or their temple around with them from place to place. So David said, God, I have this big castle and everything. I want to I make a permanent place for you. God said, David, I love you. You're after my own heart. But you done killed a few too many people. And you done done some crazy things. So uh, I don't want you to build the temple for me. But your son will do it. So Solomon was his son. So Solomon had the task of building the temple. Now, Solomon did everything he was supposed to do according to the law to carry the presence of the gods of God. So pre the presence of God at that time was in what they called the Ark of the Covenant. And it was part of all of the, all of the temple uh, furnishings that moved along from place to place. And in the Ark of the Covenant was the Ten Commandments. And it was Aaron who was a priest. His staff was also in there. And there was one other thing that I can't think of. But um, that's where the people, where God dwelt in that Ark. So they wanted to bring this Ark to the temple. When they brought it in, the people came in one unified voice. They praised, they worshiped, they had consecrated themselves. That means the day before they didn't revel and play and do all kind manner of evil. They consecrated themselves, they washed, they put on their finest, and they stood praising and worshiping the Lord in one voice. What is wrong with us that we can't take time to consecrate ourselves, to be clean, to, be put, to put on our best, to come in one mind and praise and worship the Lord in unity to experience the cloud of, glory, of the glory of God. If people could do it then, then we can do it now, right? I believe, I just, I just sang, I believe the word of God, right? So I believe if it was true then, <laughs> That is true today. Whatever people agree on, they can do. God said the people were building a tower up to heaven. And he said, oh, these people got one mind. They can do anything. Let me confuse their speech. Lest they get too high and probably kill themselves because they would have been in the wrong atmosphere for their bodies, right? <laughs> he probably saving them then. Let me just confuse their speech or they're going to kill themselves. But we can come in one mind to do anything according to God's will. You can, do, you can come in one mind with a partner and get something done that's not in God's will. So surely you can come in one mind to do whatever God wants you to do. Amen? So why do you think Solomon took the time to do all of that, that he paid so much detail. Why do you think he paid so much detail to um, what God had told him to do with the ark and all the furnishings? Well, remember, his dad was David, and I'm sure 
Well, we, we know Solomon was the son of David and Bathsheba. So, okay, for those of us who don't know, Bathsheba was not David's wife. Bathsheba was out minding her business, taking a bath one night, and David was out there looking around because they didn't have indoor plumbing, right? So the, so the tops of the houses were flat, and she was on the top of her house taking her bath. And the king's house is higher than everybody else's, I would suppose, on the hill. He's out there looking around. Ooh, it's a pretty woman over there taking a bath. I think I want that woman over there taking a bath. So he called for her and had her come in, right? And, and she became his wife because she didn't have any choice. So the offspring of that, of, of that, that union died because the Lord wasn't pleased. But God in his grace gave them another son, and that was Solomon. And Solomon grew up, and he inherited the throne of his father. But, so you know how we hear stories, family stories. Well, David had a story. David had a story. He was a king, right? And he said, um, I, my, my uh, kingdom has been established in Jerusalem. So I want to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem where I am. And he's full of himself because he has slain the giant. He's slain the lion. He's slain the bear. He's done all these things, conquered all these armies. Oh, I'm the man. I'm David. I can do whatever I want to do. He said, go get the Ark of the Covenant and bring it on back to Jerusalem. And they made a cart. They built a cart. They put the Ark of the Covenant on the cart and they were pushing the cart. Well, they're pushing the cart. God said the Levites, certain people, are supposed to carry the ark with poles. David said, no, we're, we have advanced technology now. So we're going to just put the ark on uh, the covenant on the ark and just push it because it's easier. It makes sense. We'll get there faster. You know, we can enjoy the time, get there, celebrate. So they're doing it. They're pushing the ark. And then the, the uh, cart stumbles. The, the ark stumbles and it's, it's going to fall off the cart. So somebody holds it up and he dies. Well, let's, does that make sense? God is mad at the person who's trying to save the ark from falling on the ground and kills him. David is like, what is this? God, I thought I was your man. You're going to kill my man trying to save the ark from falling on the ground. What in the world? is this. But you know, God has his way of doing things. Many are the ways of a man, but God's purposes prevail, right? You can establish a way, you can think of a way to do things, but God says, no, 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 no. My way prevails. So the man died. So David said, well, I don't want this ark. I don't want it. If, if we got to go through all that, that's all right. I don't want it. I'll take somebody else's house. So he took it to a man called Obed-Edom to his house. He was a Gittite. He lived in a different area. And he left for a season. Now, we know about seasons, right? Spring, summer, winter, fall. Changes come in seasons. If you do anything for at least 120 days, you change your habit, Right? So he, the, the ark went there for a season, and then David gets word, ooh, Obed-Edom's house is blessed. He got it good down there. The ark of the covenant is just blessed. Their whole family, their house, it's just blessed because the ark, David said, what? He got my blessing <laughs> over there. I didn't spend a season without, without God's presence, and I'm over here not being blessed, and I see somebody, and I'm the king. 
I'm the man after God's own heart. I am the man. I'm supposed to have the blessing of God. So he said, okay, we'll go back down here, try this again. Okay. Okay. So he had to get humble. You know, sometimes we go through that. We, we, um, God tells us to do something. We try to do it our way. And then it doesn't work out. So forget it. I just forget it. Then forget it, God. I'm going to be mad. I'm, I'm doing what I want to do. And then you got a friend who's driving hard after God and you see them being blessed. So, I don't care. So, you know. then that time keeps going on. They're always praying. They don't ever want to go to the movies with me to watch the rated R movies. They're listening to the music. They just, they just think they're so holy. Dang. They just keep on being blessed. They just keep on being blessed. And then you start looking. Well, I want some, I want to be blessed. <laughs> I want some of that. <laughs> so then you got to go back. Well, will you pray for me? Well, what's the Bible say about this? <laughs> well, will you show me this in the word of God? So we have to get humble, right? Come back to the Lord. So that's what David went through. He had to, he had to go through a time of being humbled by seeing God bless Obed Edom in his house over there. He said, okay, God, I'm ready to come back and I'm going to try this again. We're going to do it this way. So the second time he went and, and uh, got the Ark of the Covenant from him to bring it up to Jerusalem. The word says that David put on his fine linen like he was supposed to. He's had a lot of animals to sacrifice. He had the poles and he had the guys carrying the Ark of God. And he took his time. He was not in a hurry. Took his time so much that they walked six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Stopped and sacrificed. All the way from one town to another. Now, Ellettsville is real close. But if we start in Ellettsville and walk six paces and stop, and worship and praise and take our time doing it and then walk six more paces <laughs> and stop and sacrifice. Take your time doing it and walk six more paces and stop and sacrifice. Take your time doing it and walk six more paces. It's going to take a long time to get from Ellettsville to Bloomington, right? So they took their time. They went through towns, right? To get from one town to another, through villages. So what do you think the people were doing as they saw this caravan, the king and the priests and the Levites and the musicians all the way from one town to another sacrificing? How much blood was on that road? Hmm, that was a lot of sacrificing. Because Jesus had to come and die for a lot of sin. Because remember, the Old Testament is a representation of the new. He had to take on the sin of the whole world to be poured out just for us. And that was David saying, God, okay, I'm going to do it your way. We'll stop and we'll sacrifice and we'll take the time and we'll drain that blood of that poor animal, that poor Jesus that body what it had to go through and then we'll walk a little more we'll do what we can in our own strength the number of men six steps one two three four five six and then we'll stop lest we think we're God and go seven and try to be complete without you 
will sacrifice. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. We thank God for his sacrifice. Amen. 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 All right. So now we talk about what are some hindrances to our worship? Well, we have some people say, you know, some people just need to be a lot more exuberant than others. I, I, it's not my culture. It's not my background. It's not my personality. I don't need to jump up and down, shout, raise my hands, do whatever else other people do because it don't take all that. Mm-hmm. And you just got to watch out for being too emotional because, you know, then you start putting yourself in the center and it's not really God because you're just showing out. You're just doing that just so everybody will see you. And, it, you know, that all of that is not not necessary. OK, these are some hindrances of our worship. Here's one. I believe, um, don't you? Everyone should worship God in his own way and according to his own beliefs. But didn't we just hear the word say that God had a way that he said we are to sacrifice? And now since Jesus, our sacrifice is in the fruit of our lips. So God has a way for us to worship. All right, here's the last one. Um, I wouldn't let it worry me. After all, what difference can it make? God looks on my heart. All this activity doesn't add anything. This gives us an escape from being accountable to what God has told us to do. Amen? Amen. So what are some ways that God has told us to worship? Now, we said the fruit of our lips, right? But we know here, here's an example. Psalm 34. All of us super saints, we know this. I will bless the Lord when? Oh, my God. Goodness, there ain't no sacrifice in that. I will bless the Lord when? His praise shall continually be where? My soul shall make what? It's boast. Why do you make your boast in the Lord? So that the wicked can hear about it and be glad. Why did they stop six paces and sacrifice? So that the people around can know the presence of God is coming through here to be set up in the temple. Who, what are we? The temple of the Holy Ghost. The sacrifice of our praise should come out all the time so that the wicked can see us and say, oh, God is there. Amen. 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 All right, let's go on. Let's encourage each other. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Why do we extol or exalt or make the name of God great? It's because I sought the Lord and he did what? Do y'all read the Bible? I sought the Lord and he did what? He heard me and he did what? Delivered me from all of my fears. What a way is, how, who in here is trying to get away from insecurity and fear? All of us. I sought the Lord. He heard me. He delivered me from all of my fears. We looked unto God and then he puts his glory on us like Moses did. We were radiant. Our faces were not ashamed. When I was a poor man, I cried out to the Lord and he heard me. He saved me out of all of my troubles. This is all why I exalt the Lord. 
because he sends his angels to encamp all around me because I fear him and he delivers me and it makes me go out to the world and say, try God, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Fear and respect the Lord because there is no want to those who fear him. People who are young and want to do everything in their own strength, they suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Amen? N not any good thing. Hallelujah. All reasons to sacrifice our praise and our worship to God. All right. So if you don't respect the worship of God and how he wants us to do things, it can cause you to be unfruitful or unproductive. Uh, we see an example of this um, in that same story when David is going and sacrificing. His own wife saw him coming past the house and she's looking out and she sees her husband out there praising and worshiping God and sacrificing and she has disrespect for him for doing God's will. She did not respect him for doing God's will. So after he was done, he comes home and he says, you, she, she says to him, you made a fool of yourself out there today looking crazy in front of all the young girls. Everybody could see you and you're supposed to be the king. God shut up her womb and she could not produce any child from that day forward. And we know when the word says uh, the blessing of God is to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill up the earth. That is not only having babies, but it's filling up the earth with the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, spreading the gospel and the good news of God abroad to all of the land. She could not produce anything because she had disrespect for God's way of doing things. All right. So don't be unproductive. We want to produce the kingdom of God in the earth. Amen. Amen. Have respect for the word of God. All right. We want to keep on moving. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> the way I am. <laughs> Sometimes um, we can get ca caught up into um, our traditions, right? Some limitations or hindrances to our worship is because we don't see other people around us worshiping, or maybe we have been uh, discouraged. So maybe as a young Christian, you have come out and you have been on fire for God and, you know, just out there just being excited. And you might have had an older saint say, baby, just calm down. You know, you just, is what I call too much reveal. You, you're just being too much just a little, in the land of too much. And so then we get self-conscious about it, right? So we have to break those, allow God to break those strongholds so we can be free to be free in our worship. Amen. All right. Let's keep, well, let's keep on moving here. Other hindrances can be from our, in our culture. It, it is very hard for us to be focused. It would be hard to be focused on anything. So we have to have the fruit of self-control to be focused on our worship for God and doing things God's way. So that means we have to limit our time on our devices, on media, on if, if talking to others or gossiping is our thing, can't do that. We have to uh, be disciplined in what we allow in our spirits, what we hear, what we see, what we listen to. We have to 
be careful about what we taste, what we put in our bodies, because what we put in our bodies affects how we feel. We won't feel like worshiping, right? So we have to be mindful of all of those things. We have to live a healthy, disciplined lifestyle. Now, a lot of us hear the word discipline, and we think discipline means boring. <laughs> discipline does not mean boring. Discipline means, uh, means discipline. Discipline means you having control over what you allow yourself to do. It's not boring, you're in control. A lot of times when we're out of control as people, we get negative results. <laughs> so we want to be in control of what we're doing so that the Lord has the optimum opportunity to put us on display for his glory. All of this is for God's glory for the sake of his great name. It really has nothing to do with us because who are we? I mean, in comparison to the 7 billion people on the earth, we are like a flick of dust, right? So all of this is for God's glory in it all. Amen. Hallelujah. So here is another advantage of worship. There was a king his name was Jehoshaphat. He had three armies coming against him. And he didn't know what to do. He said, God, I've been trying to serve you. Now, Jeho Jehoshaphat was kind of like David. He was a good king, but then he would make some evil alliances. And he just, he just didn't know. Um, he was like, God, I'm, I want to serve you. But, you know, this guy over here, he needs my help. And I know he's not right, but, you know, I'll, I'll help him out because I'm a good person, you know. So that's what he did. The Lord was like, what are you doing? So as a result of that, he had three other kingdoms coming after him. So then he, his army was not big enough to defeat those three other kings. So he said, Lord, we don't know what to do. He got desperate. But our eyes are on you. How gracious is our God? When we do stuff that's stupid. <laughs> so that's what Jehoshaphat did. He just did stupid stuff and he didn't consult the Lord and he just, just did stuff because he thought it was a good idea. So he got himself in a bad situation. So then he had to come before God and say, Lord, what are we supposed to do now? And so God told him, he said, okay, I'm going to help you out because I'm a good God. I'm a gracious God. This is what y'all going to do. He said, you're going to take your um, children, take your wives, take your whole, everybody It's going to stand out here and you're going to select some people to praise me on the way to this battle. He said, you're not going to have to fight the battle, but you're going to have to go to the battle. I'm telling you right now, the battle's already won. It's mine. Don't worry about it. But you got to go. You got to face the enemy. He said, okay, Lord, so this is what we're going to do. So he set the people out to uh, start praising the Lord. And what did they say? Everybody know? Praise the Lord for what? That's it, for his mercy endured for... Is that the same thing they said in Solomon's temple? It was the same thing. They glorified God for his mercy. They praised him and said, praise the Lord, because he's a merciful God. They did that all the way. If they were shouting, does it sound like this? Or does it sound like this? Praise the Lord! His mercy endures forever! That's what they were doing. And it was more than one or two. It was a whole lot of people singing and praising the Lord for his mercy endured forever. So much. They did it so much that as they approached the other armies, 
they saw, oh Lord, there's a whole lot of people coming after us. They turned on themselves and started killing themselves. Isn't that crazy? That is craziness. Just think if you were in a gang, right? You in a gang and, and say it's 10 of y'all and y'all on, on the East 10th Street gang and, and you got the West side and the South side and the North side coming after y'all and there's a whole lot of them and y'all don't know what to do. So y'all said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to act crazy. We're going to get us together. We're going to get all this loud stuff, you know. We're going we gonna to get an amplifier like machine guns and we're going to come and it's going to be like all the way to the fight. And the other people be like, oh, Lord, what do they have? We don't have those kind of guns. And they run away or they start beating each other up. No, no, we're going to get them. No, no. They, they, they confused themselves and destroyed themselves. It was like that. That's how God worked in that situation. So then Jehoshaphat's army came and all of their enemies were already taken care of. All they had to do was go and pick up their weapons and their shields. And if they had nice clothing on, they took it off of the bodies and said, ha, praise the Lord. And when they came after that, they took the time to worship because they had won. God had given them the victory. Amen. These are the benefits, benefits of worshiping God. God moves when we worship.